This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the all-star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Time now for another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. We're going to talk to the assistant general manager, Billy Owens, the voice of your Oakland Athletics, Ken Korak, and the face of your Oakland Athletics on television, Glenn Kuyper. But Billy O, he's one of the tops in the business. He's going to be a GM someday. Here is my conversation with Billy Owens. Billy O, it's been a while, but how is everything for you down in the Valley of the Sun? Uh, dude, it actually rained out here today, man. The first time it rained since like uh, like August eighth or so. So we got a little precipitation out here in the Valley of the Sun, and uh, we're ready to roll. The it cacti is always, are, are a little greener today. It's always weird when it rains down there because like everybody doesn't, you know, they don't really know how to deal with it. Yeah, it's funny. I guess we're on um, like in the Northeast. They're used to driving with the snow. So in Arizona, it never rains, so people definitely uh, react differently uh, when they're driving in the rain, per se. But no, it's actually a welcome change. Saw a lot of people walking outside in my neighborhood, uh, getting a little precipitation. So got a little uh, greenery outside, a little brighter. So uh, it's good. It's just uh, life in 2020, bro. Well, I know you're all about building. You're all about players. And I think that after the big league club got through this whole thing and got through a round of the playoffs that when you look back that you had to be pretty proud of what this team was able to accomplish in 2020. Yeah. Now, Bob Melvin, I mean, for one, uh, obviously tremendous manager, probably the best in baseball uh, for us to, to win a division this year, get over that hump. And actually, I've been with the A's for, for 20-plus years. We made the playoffs uh, 11 out of 20 years, but we only, only got out of the first round in uh, 2006. We lost to the Tigers in the ALCS that year, uh, Megaly Ordonez against Houston Street. So for us to get over that hump, uh, beat a talented White Sox team in the first round, and then we uh, bowed out to the Astros in the, um, at Dodger Stadium, it, it was still a, a great year. Uh, guys made strides this year. You know, Sean Murphy established himself as a force behind the plate. Uh, Jesus Lazardo got uh, Rookie of the Year votes. And so you, you couple that with uh, Ramon Laureano playing uh, really good center field, our booking guys in the corners and uh, Olsen and Chapman. And uh, going forward, um, obviously, uh, Simeon, a tremendous year in person. Uh, Liam Hendricks, um, Another guy that, you know, outrighted a couple of years ago, then he puts up two stellar uh, all MLB first team years for us in the closing ranks. So uh, it was a great year. It, it was fun. It was um, only one team's left standing, and that was the Dodgers in uh, 2020, but it was still a, a hell of a ride. You know, you talk about Murph and we had him on the program and he's, you know, he's a, he's a he's a no nonsense kid and just watching him um the power that he has and defensively even though there's a not a lot there's not a lot of running in baseball, I hope that kind of comes back, but his catch and throw ability for a guy his size, wouldn't you say that's rare? Yeah, no, he's a, he's definitely a two-way catcher. He can shut down the running game. I think he was either he led to the American League or amongst the American League leaders in uh, throwing guys out. Uh, his OPS was right at uh, 833 offensively, and I and I can see that rising. You're talking about a guy that uh, hit above three bills in uh, Stockton right out the gate in his minor league career uh, last year in, in AAA in 2019, hit well over three bills, and so far in, in the major leagues, uh, you combine the two years, his OPS has been above 800, uh, short swing, compact, uh, 
Murphy's got a great backstory. For one, his dad played minor league ball, so he had a little um, professional baseball pedigree. But uh, Sean Murphy was an undersized kid all the way through like his junior year of high school, like 5'8 or so. And so he, he had that kind of quickness, and that's the way he operated. And then his senior year in high school, he shot up to 6'3", which he is now, and he still kept that same quickness as he had when he was 5'8", five, 5'9". If you, you couple that with the rocket arm and, and um, the physique that's that added strength over the years, uh, it's, it's a hell of a ca- catching package. And honestly, I mean, I see Murphy at some point actually starting a major league all-star game, and I don't think that's hyperbole. And um, our Jonah Heim, our, our backup catcher, uh, 25 years old, switch hitter uh, from Buffalo, New York, originally drafted by the Orioles, traded to the Rays, and then um, – we, we traded for him a couple of years ago. Uh, Jonah Heim is um, a very capable backstop as well, a soft hand. Another guy, I think we might have the, the two tallest catchers in MLB, but uh, they both fold up really well behind the plate. And um, on most teams, Jonah Heim would be a viable starter, but uh, Sean Murphy, he, he's an all-star caliber player. Yeah, you got linebackers playing catcher. Yeah, we got linebackers or – maybe like three guys in basketball, versatile. Uh, they can hang on the wing, but they can also uh, go to the hole and, and, and flush a dunk. It's business as usual in baseball as, you know, I guess virtual winter meetings going on. We had the Rule 5 draft. You guys made two selections. Tell us about those selections. Yeah, first guy is uh, Kai Tom. He's originally from Hawaii. Um, we go all the way back with uh, Kai Tom to um, – University of Kentucky, uh, they've always had good players down there at SEC, and um, he, he's a classic um, Oakland A's player, man. He, he's built, if I like to use the other sports analogy, kind of got like a J.K. Dobbins body. Like you go Ohio State, Baltimore Ravens, 5'8", 5'9", a sturdy build. Uh, Kai Tom's been on base, 360, minor league career, uh, 2019. Between double A and triple A, um, very good strikeout to walk rate. Uh, can play all three outfield uh, positions, and he'll surprise you with some sting. I mean, he's got seasons with double digit uh, home run tallies. He's always um, had a solid uh, slugging percentage. And so you throw that versatility in, being able to play all three outfield positions, that's going to give you a quality at bat that we've seen since college in the SEC at Kentucky all the way through A-ball, double-A, triple-A in the Indians organization. Uh, we're definitely excited to um, bring the Hawaiian native, uh, Kai Tom, into the fold. And the second guy, uh, Danny Jimenez, uh, Dominican Republic kid, um, live arm, up to 98, 2019 in a Toronto Blue Jays organization, uh, had a sterling ERA, solid strikeout-to-walk ratio. Uh, the Giants rule five them 2020. Um, he got a couple appearances for the Gigantes. Uh, they sent him back to Toronto. So he's a back-to-back uh, rule five guy, live arm. Uh, Scott Emerson for us, actually an old minor league teammate of mine, but I believe he's the best pitching coach in MLB. And so if anybody's going to harness uh, Mr. Jimenez's uh, secondary stuff and make him a viable big leaguer in 2021, Emo's the man for the job. How tough is it to be a Rule 5 guy? Yeah, it's tough on both sides. I mean, for one, it's a great opportunity. I mean, our best Rule 5 in recent eras is a Mark Canna, uh, Bell Prep San Jose, uh, like myself, Kevin Franzen, Pat Burrell. But um, yeah, Canna came over. He was uh, Marlins organization. He, um, he had 300, always had a history of hitting. Cal Berkeley guy as well. And we rule fived him. Actually, the Rockies did. We did a, a, a rule five trade that day. And um, he's been able to stick. I think he's got a 795 OPS for us for his career. Played all three outfield positions. But what it does, um, it gives guys opportunity. It allows them to get a major league trial, spring training, see if they can um, you know, break with the club. And then from there, they have to be on that roster basically the, the whole season 
Otherwise, they're going to get offered back to their original club. And so, I mean, it's kind of it's a little bit of a roster freeze. But if you get a situation like Mark Hanna, you go all the way back. Um, Roberto Clemente was actually a Rule 5 pick, signed from uh, Puerto Rico to the Dodgers, I believe. And, and he was uh, selected, and he ended up being um, – the most decorated uh, Puerto Rican player of all time. So uh, there's been great stories from the Rule 5, Canada for us recently, and hopefully this year, Kai Tom and Danny Jimenez. Yeah, our buddy Bip Roberts was a Rule 5 pick back in the day. There's been some really good ones. Of course, you see him on A's pre- and post-game live on NBC Sports California. You mentioned Mark Canna, and of course, as you said, you guys went to the same high school, Bellman Prep, down here in the South Bay, and it's just – I remember when Mark Canna showed up, it's like, okay, what is he going to be? Can he play? Is he a DH? Is he going to, does he play third? Can he, can he play like left field? I don't think anybody knew how good an athlete, maybe you did, that he could be playing a legit center field in major league baseball. Yeah. For one, I mean, Mark Canna is probably the one of one. I've been in Oakland A's 21 years. He's one of the most driven people that I've seen in a major league uniform for us. And honestly, you know, I played a little football back in my Bell Prep days. And uh, right when we rule five selected them, our uh, head football coach, we shared the same head football coach, Mike Janda, Hall of Famer in California. And Coach Janda was like really telling me what kind of speed that uh, Mark Hanna had. And, And like you said, I don't think anybody besides Coach Jan, they had that really true intel scouting report. So he comes to us initially, first base, left field, DH, possibly stand stand him at third base. But, you know, after a while, he had quality at bats at first big league camp. He breaks. And then lo and behold, I mean, the athleticism, the drive, uh, kind of won everybody over, had a big first year for us. Then the next year, he had a couple home runs early. Then he had a surgery. He missed a lot of that second year, but then since he's come back with that drive, with the physicality and that right-handed power, uh, he's made himself a really good major league player. I mean, a guy that, you know, has got a 795 career OPS, and like you said, he can play legitimately all three outfield positions. Uh, he's hungry. He gives you a professional at bat. He's a good dude. And so, yeah, we struck gold in the Rule 5 that year, for sure. And then I think a guy like Chad Pender, like we've had him on the program and like, you know, he grew up a shortstop. He grew up playing in the middle of the diamond. And next thing you know, you want to get his athleticism and you want to get his bat in the lineup. And next, you know, he's going out in the outfield and one point was playing right field. And StatCast says he was getting some of the best jumps on the ball in all of the game. So when you look at a player as a scout and you're getting ready to draft a guy, how hard is it to project, hey, I can put this shortstop out in right field someday? Yeah, for one, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, you go back to Little League, the best player in the field pitches and plays shortstop. And a lot of times that goes all the way through at least high school where the best player in the field, even like a lot of Eric Davis played center, he played shortstop in, in high school. So the better players normally play short initially then eventually they branch out when you go to college and, you know, you have five shortstops and guys got to play multiple places. So when Chad Pender broke in, dad played professional as well. Um, dad played at Virginia Commonwealth, actually with uh, Jerry DePoto, the, um, the GM for the uh, Seattle Mariners. But uh, Chad came in. Uh, we had an incumbent at the time with Marcus Simeon or somebody else already playing shortstop. And so – with that, and Chad got drafted well with a couple other guys, Daniel Robertson, Addison Russell. We had a couple other shortstops right around his draft class, 2012 and 2013, when he got drafted. So he showed that versatility in the minor leagues. He played third. He played second. After we made a couple trades, uh, Chad was a Texas League Player of the Year at short. And then he, Triple um, A, played majority shortstop. But he always dabbled at other positions. And so – that year, we had a crowded spring training, um, and actually, I was kind of just going through his um, his uh, career at Virginia Tech, and lo and behold, he actually played a lot of outfield 
his freshman year in college at, at Virginia Tech. And so it wasn't something that he hadn't done before. And so just with the configuration of our team at the time, um, we just asked him to go out there and take some drills, and he took it like a fish to water, and he uh, looked comfortable in the outfield. So uh, to make a long story short, I mean, if you go, you know, if you go around the diamond, I mean, our platinum gold glove winning third baseman and Matt Chapman, guarantee he played a lot of short as a youth player. Uh, Marcus Simeon, a great free agent out there, tremendous person. He played shortstop coming up through the ranks. And, you know, guys that are versatile, even Laureano, and if you, if you really want to laugh, uh, Cespedes, I mean, in his Cuban days, uh, when he was 14, 15 years old, he'll, he'll tell you he was a shortstop too. So, I mean, the better player started shortstop. <laughs> you know, I think about Matt Chapman, and yes, he was a shortstop. Uh, his range, his athletic ability, his arm, do you think you could put him there and play him there every day? Yeah, I mean, last year, just with the circumstance, he showed that he went went to um, shortstop in Houston. I mean, that's a bigger conversation. That's above my pay grade. But could could Matt Chapman, could he be the best defender on the field that at more than third base? I would bet my answer would probably be yes. I mean, just with the superior uh, hands, um, the athleticism, the footwork, the precision, the being acrobatic, uh, he can he can do it all defensively. And just with all the shifts out there, I mean, if you you go mess up Manny Machado, I mean, he, he caught a ball this year in their ship, damn it, the right field wall. And so Chapman, he's definitely slid over and and stood at that shortstop position even though he um, was listening to the lineup card as third baseman. So, no, yeah, he can he can do whatever he wants to do defensively. And whatever wherever the, Bob Melvin puts him in the lineup, he'll be an above-average major league player on the defensive side of the ball, without a doubt. Let's end on this. You mentioned your time with the A's, with Billy Bean, and all the winning that you guys have done. And looking around baseball right now, where you got some big-time teams, you know, Maybe it's the Phillies or the Cubs and the Red Sox, and they're, 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 they're looking to cut payroll. They're looking to get rid of guys. You guys always try to win. For someone that's in the front office, what does that mean to you that no matter what, the A's are trying to win? Yeah, I told – forgot who I told about a decade ago. I always said Billy Bean will never concede. I mean, he's definitely – he ain't trying to punt. He ain't trying to pull a was a Reggie Roby back in the day or Ray Guy. Billy Bean ain't no punter. He's more of a gunslinger. He's more Elway, Marino, one of them cats, man. So we're definitely every year at some point when it when they say play ball April first, we're gonna put a, a lineup out there that's uh, capable of winning. We we've made the playoffs here eleven out of twenty years. Uh, we'll mix and match. And honestly, if you just look at, you know, Major League Baseball, um, a Rosarina was, was a kid that when he got an opportunity this year sometime in September, he ended up being, you know, hit 10 home runs in the postseason. And so you, you never know who's going to be tomorrow's October heroes. So at some point we got, you know, guys on the horizon that need opportunity, uh, whether they're in our system now or maybe they're Rule 5 today or maybe we get them via trade. But and when we break camp um, late March, early April, Billy Bean, David Force, myself, uh, we're not going to concede. We're going to try to put a winner on the field. We've done it as far as a playoff team, 11 out of uh, 20 years. This year we got out of that first round, beat the, a talented White Sox club who's really, really talented. And so, you know, being a division winner last year was fun. And now let's next year, let's try to make that next step for sure. Well, I, I got to tell you, it's always an honor to have you on the program and the knowledge that you bring. We appreciate it. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Have a happy new year. And we'll talk to you in 2021. I can't wait, Tony. Looking forward to it, man. Talk to you soon.
Yeah, that guy's going to be a GM. There's no question about it. But we're lucky that he's been around for the A's and Billy Bean and David Forrest for a long, long time. How about the voice of summer? How about the voice of your Oakland Athletics, the great Ken Korak? The great Ken Korak, the voice. I guess we'll call you the voice of winter. How are you, Ken? Hello, Chris Townsend. How you doing, man? I I I I'm doing well. You know, we're we're powering through this thing, and uh, you know, uh, obviously, there's a lot of moves to be made, and we've been talking to a lot of people today, Ken. There are so many good baseball players that are out there that can help your team. It really is unbelievable. Yeah, it is, and there's a lot we don't know about the upcoming months. But you know, I'm I'm actually hopeful, like a lot of people are, about the, the vaccines and the fact that we might get back to some normalcy even during this upcoming season, Chris, and how that might impact some of the decisions that uh, ball clubs will make regarding players. I think that'll be uh, really an interesting thing to follow as we go forward. You know, I I don't think a lot of people understand um, what you guys went through to where I think everybody was, it it was a little scary going to the ballpark, Um, but you went to the ballpark and, and you did your job and they, you know, obviously kept you guys in different boxes. They wouldn't even allow Cody and I to go to the stadium. When you look back at this season, I mean, it was a little scary. Um, what was it like for you? Well, I think the A's did a really good job with the protocols and the guidelines. So I think it eased some of our trepidation, Chris, to talk to you about that. Um, and as it's turned out, and I think we were concerned, too, about our ability to deliver the best possible broadcast because, as you know, we were doing the road games off the TV monitor, but um, and nothing good has come out of this pandemic. So let's let's make that clear. But there was a certain we were I, I was gratified by the reaction from A's fans, Chris, that I think uh, people got something out of us doing the game. So that was the main thing. And that was the biggest motivation for me. Uh, I was doing the games for those people who had been sheltering in place, didn't have a chance to get out at all, and were missing having the chance to have a little diversion. And that's what we hopefully provided. And one thing I wanted to interject to you that I think is kind of interesting today that my wife reminded me of, because now I was over in the visiting TV booth, and Vince was in the home radio booth, which is the Bill King broadcast booth, as you know, Chris. Exactly four years ago today, we learned that Bill King was going to receive the Ford C. Frick Award. That announcement was made by the Baseball Hall of Fame exactly four years ago today, Chris. And, of course, we gathered in Cooperstown in July of 2017 to celebrate Bill's life and his career. So um, I think interesting. Now, of course, we remember December 7, 1941, Pearl Harbor Day, but also uh, the fact this was a, a great day for Bill's family and also all of his fans around the Bay Area. I'm glad you brought that up. I hadn't even thought about that, uh, Pearl Harbor. And there's a one of the great stories is about uh, my alma mater, San Jose State. So San Jose State boarded the ship, went all the way to Hawaii, and a lot of the guys on the football team, I think almost everyone, but I think like two, like even the coaches, all enlisted and became either mm-hmm. military or police. Uh, Pearl Harbor and San Jose State have that great connection. Yeah, they do. And what a great history over there at San Jose State. And, you know, Harry Edwards, you see him all the time on some of the some of the spots during the NFL games. And so he's certainly very active and, and vital um, to this day. And the other thing is that looking back historically, the election this year was, of course, November 3rd. And my dad, who is still alive at 101, uh, voted in his first election 80 years to the day before he voted in this election this year. Uh, he voted for the first time at the age of 21 in 1940, November 3rd of 1940, and voted this year, November 3rd, 2020. That's called good genes, Ken. <laughs> Pretty amazing, huh? That is amazing. Pretty amazing. Actually, yeah, every, I know. Every single time we bring up your father, I, I, I is he still driving? Unfortunately, I shouldn't say this. He does, but very rarely now. I mean, um, and because he, he has help, he has help over at the house, and normally they'll drive uh, when they go out. But I think there are still some times during the daytime when he will drive, 
he's promised me that he's been very careful and I've implored him to think about that and double think about it when he goes out, but he's doing fine. Really? He, you know, he really is. He's a marvel. I mean, it's incredible. He's 101. He, he, I mean, to think of how many, just not presidential elections, you know, we vote for a lot of different things. I mean, you think in, in Southern California, how long your dad has been voting is just, it's, it's, it's amazing. What, and Literally what, 80 years. Yeah, 80 years. And he, you know, he was born during the flu epidemic of 1918, 1919, the so-called Spanish flu. So this is the second pandemic that he's lived through. Yeah, what 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 an incredible life. Um, how how is everything for you? I mean, that's you know one thing good. that we want to check in. Everything good with you? Yeah, things are good. I I have another little piece of news for you. you might be interested in. All right. Okay, this is kind of off the wall, but on Saturday, in the mail, I got a um, a royalty check from Moneyball. You know, <laughs> which I get every so often. You know, residuals, the residual checks. Okay. Now this one was for eleven dollars and forty five cents. Wow. But this, I'd never, I've never gotten this, this, I guess, statements. I've been getting statements for them for years now. But this is, this is a foreign royalty statement, Chris. So the, the movie was shown, according to this statement, in Denmark, Germany, Spain, and Switzerland. So, you know, Moneyball, fans of Moneyball should know that the movie is being shown, you know, all over the world now. I got, I got exactly 56 cents. From the showing of the movie in Switzerland, Chris. I always knew you were a star. <laughs> You're a star. When you think of me, you think of box office, right? Two things just go together, right? I mean, I mean, you think like having to actually write the check, mail the check, when it's eleven dollars. I mean, it's like it's, it's so ridiculous. But that's what you are about, and. Uh, you were part of the movie. It's true. I deposited the check today, man. I wasn't going to tear it up and throw it out. So, now, and then the other thing, have you, go ahead. So, so like, like Greg Papa, do you get more than Papa? Do you get the same as Papa? Like, how's that work? I should. No, I don't know. I have not compared notes with Greg. I don't know. Greg had a very important part in the movie. Yeah, uh, as great. you know, my, my part, my part is on the cutting room floor. Um, I made a thousand dollars for acting the role that never made it into the movie. Now, my voice is in the movie, as you know, and we've talked about that. But my understanding is I'm not getting paid for that, but I'm getting paid for the fact that I actually was technically part of the cast. That's wild. That I mean, <laughs> I mean, you guys, when you when you get that in the mail, you guys just got to be laughing. Well, yeah, I'll be on the road with the ace somewhere. My wife will text me and say, actually. Uh, text me a photo of the check, you know, and so, hey, you know, it's better than not getting anything, pal. Hey, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, <laughs> it's still funny. I mean, it's just like, I, and, and you may be getting this for, I mean, Moneyball, I, it, it's not, now you're, it's now on Netflix. It's, I mean, you might be getting these checks for a long time. My friend, Jason Rezaian, who's a North from the North Bay and actually is a big A's fan opinion writer for the Washington post was in an Iranian prison for over 500 days and wrote a great book about it called prisoner. And in the book, he writes about being in solitary confinement in a prison in Iran, but they had a, he had a TV and somehow Moneyball was shown on Iranian television. <laughs> and it, it gave him a little taste of being home and helped him get through the next couple of days. That is that that that, that is a great story. <laughs> hey, did you talk about Dick Allen today? Yeah, you know, we we, we actually went over his numbers. You can yeah, make pretty him, good. He should be in the Hall of Fame. There were there are people I was reading today somewhere where Someone was making the case that he's the best player not in the Hall of Fame. And, I, you know, I watched him play a lot. I mean, he was from my, you know, my era. He was a great, he one of those guys where when he was coming up, Chris, you didn't go to the concession stand and get a hot dog. He could really impact the game. So the Hall of Fame would not be cheapened if Dick Allen uh, now would be, have to sadly posthumously, 
I believe the Veterans Committee, and I don't think it's called the Veterans Committee, it's like the ERA Committee, was supposed to vote this year, but that was postponed because of COVID. So that's a little bit of a tragedy right there because perhaps he could have uh, gotten the nod from that that committee. But, you know, I think there's a pretty good chance he can make it in. Well, you know, uh, as Cody pointed out, he's got the same OPS plus as Willie Mays. I mean, you're like, you look at his numbers. We went through his numbers, Ken. I mean, the guy was a beast. And it's he just, was. It, it, it is so sad that we have a hard time recognizing. And I know one guy that you know who's very dear to me for all my years with the Raiders. Like It's like Tom Flores. Tom Flores, the football life of Tom Flores from the University of Pacific to his life as an NFL quarterback, his life as an NFL coach, as a Super Bowl champion multiple times, as a head coach. If you put his football life together, there's no question. You know, when you think of the first Latino, you think about all these things that Tom Flores did, and the fact that he's not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, it, it's a joke. And You're waiting for him to pass to make it happen? No. It's, it's wrong. That's right. He should be honored while he's still alive. Tremendously deserving because, like you said, just if you take the totality of his life, and what he accomplished, he was a very good quarterback in the early days of the AFL. Um, I mean, you look at his record while he was coaching the Raiders. He did a great job there. And then, of course, all the other things that he did, including broadcasting and his influence in the game, and especially in the Hispanic community, uh, what he's meant. Uh, Chris, uh, Tom Flores, to me, should, uh, should be a slam dunk in the Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think that's something we really need to think about going forward uh, is honoring players and honoring, whether it's coaches, players, managers, broadcasters, honoring people before they pass. And it's just like, we we now have these numbers. Like if Allen wasn't voted in and we now throw all the, so, you know, because, because the people who were, were voting for him, they weren't into analytics. If they now look at the analytics, he almost looks like a no brainer. Yeah, I mean, throughout the plus, and his OPS, I think, was 912, which is outstanding. I think his lifetime batting average was 292. Now he might be dinged because he I think he had less than 400 home runs, but he also had some injuries too, Chris. So I don't think there was necessarily a fall off in his production. It's just that in his, the games played, there were years where he maybe played 112 games or 128 or 140. He also had his issues. He was a controversial figure. And whether that played into some of the voting over the years, I don't know that you can quantify that. But from everything I've read about him and watching him play, he he always played hard and he was a good teammate. Uh, He happened to come up at a time when black players were expected to particularly toe the line. He wasn't that kind of a person. But he was a great player, and I think more importantly, too, from what I read, like I said, he was a good teammate, and that goes a long way. You know, one thing that uh, definitely, you know, resonated today on the program, you know, talking to Jesus Lazardo and talking to Bob Melvin, is that, Ken, this is a team that it, it's about winning the World Series. I mean, that, that's where we can honestly say where the A's are right now, two straight years of winning 97 games, winning the division in the, in the pandemic, and you've got a lot of the big boys out there, Ken, Red Sox, Cubs that are looking to kind of go into rebuild mode. Uh, you know, I got to think if you know, you know, Dodgers, obviously, uh, Yankees, Rays, Twins, A's. I think there's certain teams like there's a lot of teams that are not going to really be trying. I, I kind of like what I'm hearing from A's management, A's players that, you know, this this coming season, it's about winning it all and getting a ring. Well, this is their window, and I'm sure you would agree with that. There are certain teams over the course of time that have windows that you identify and say this is their time. And as long as you have Chapman and Olsen and, and Laureano, and you could add several others with, um, you know, Lizardi, you mentioned him, it is their time. Now they need help, and I'm sure you'll agree with this. We don't know what's going to happen with, with Simeon. 
But they need help at second and short if Marcus takes off. If Marcus leaves as a free agent. Uh, I think they need help in the bullpen. I think they could use another starting pitcher. So we'll see. And this is, you know, Billy Bean and David Force normally uh, in a situation like this, they're going to be active. Whether they're going to take their time and wait, maybe and see how the market develops, Chris, and plays out. But I would expect the A's, because of what you said, because there is this expectation within the organization that they're going to win, that this is going to be an active offseason for this club. You know, we, we, we talked earlier with Doug Glanville, who, by the way, is just great to have on the program. He is such a sharp guy, and uh, his post-career ha- has just been incredible. And I asked him about, you know, the whole East Coast thing with – because we're already starting to see projections are coming out, Ken. And, of course, it's not the A's. It's the Astros. And then, of course, Artie Moreno is going to write a big check to somebody. And then people are going to like the Angels. But the reality is the A's are the best team in the division. It just kind of frustrates me that we've got to always let it play out. And then I've got to have all these national guys on at the end of the year. And I'm like – you didn't pick them. Why didn't you pick them? We know this was going to happen. It's just frustrating that in the offseason, no one ever like the A's are never the darling. Well, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about that. Maybe I'm used to it because I've been doing the games for 25 years. I saw, you know, one pundit listed the A's over under wins like 85 or 86 for next year. Well, they've been in the postseason three straight years, Chris, and they won the division this past year so i don't get you know too caught up in a lot of that but we'll see i mean i think it's like i said i think they've got a real shot and it's going to be this we not having the winter meetings right now don't you miss that because we were, it's you know they're, they're yeah they, you know they're doing it virtually now but you don't have the same buzz and anticipation that you have during the winter meetings normally where you're going day by day and thinking what big deals are we going to have today there's none of that now. Oh, it's so sad. I mean, the, the job Cody did down in San Diego where we we were at the winter meetings, and, we, and our plan was to go to Dallas this year and do the winter meetings. We had basically everybody in baseball on. It was incredible. And yeah, the, the commander was working the room, right? Oh, it was, it was incredible. Yeah. You know, when the commander shows up, people around baseball know he's going to work the room, and being on your show is – you know, kind of a can't-miss thing. It's it's appointment radio. We had multiple managers. We had multiple <laughs> GMs. We had, we had all the guys from MLB. Like, Cody, they don't know his face until they saw him in San Diego. Cody's, like, becoming famous inside baseball. Everybody knows who Cody is. He's a rock star. You know, I got my first job in AAA uh, in 1985 during the winter meetings in San Diego. With who? December of 85, with the Phoenix Firebirds of the Coast League, then the Giants AAA affiliate. <laughs> I flew down to San Diego, 20, what is it, 35 years ago? <laughs> 35 years ago, literally. I flew down to San Diego and interviewed for a job with the uh, Firebirds doing their radio and got the job. I still marvel at the fact that late July, early August, playing those games you know i mean you live in vegas i mean my i mean that that that's a whole different heat it is especially when we were in phoenix because we used to work in those concrete bunkers that they had that that i guess they were camouflaged as broadcast booths they really weren't it was so hot in phoenix chris there was one night where we did the games but it was too hot for the plants to take off from the airport because it burns the tires right yeah i know i don't know the atmospheric conditions or whatever would not allow the plane to sustain enough altitude to take off but those were great days you know i really loved those those days in the coast league uh my first year jimmy lefevre was our manager in 1986 and i just we had a great time it was a lot of fun you know i you know I'm trying to preach patience with A's fans. Like, this is where Billy Bean and David Force excel. The one-year deal, bring somebody in. Who can help us? Who can help us win? Help us win right away. Uh, The way I've been describing it is, this is the pond they fish in. And this pond has a lot of fish in it this year. And that's what I like about it, because I – 
I'm not sure whether Billy's going to leave. I, I don't think he is now. Uh, I think he could be staying. So I, I just think of Billy and David and their success. Like, like this is like, you think this off season, this is where they flourish, Ken. You got to love it. And like you said, at the beginning of the show, Chris, there are a lot of players available that were non-tendered, right? You would take four or five of those guys right now. Oh God. So yeah, you know, we'll see how it goes. So I, I think there's a, there's going to be talent out there and available. And if you're a GM and you've got a club that you know is going to be in contention, you live for times like this. Yeah. I'm just, uh, I, I'm going to be patient. I just, I, I know in the end, we're going to like the names that are showing up in white cleats. Well, it's always great to hear from you. And I know for the fan base to hear your voice is something special. We miss you. I know it hasn't been that long. I, I got to tell you, Ken, I was talking to my kids about this. I know we did 60 games, but it sure felt like 162. It was pretty intense. You know, the intensity of it was unrelenting. And yeah, because we we're putting in long days because I think of the nature of the way things work. But the A's did a great job with the Zoom calls. And, but, you know, because we weren't going, we weren't allowed down on the field. A lot of the work we did was done in kind of a different form this year. So maybe that made it feel like it was longer, but it was worth it. I think, I, you know, I'm glad with that we were able to do the games. Well, and I think one of the really cool moments for us, I think that we'll look back in our careers, is when we were doing the 1972. If people don't know here on A's cast, uh, we went back and we played games from 72, 73, 74. But obviously, obviously, 72 was the big red machine. And the legend Joe Morgan joined us. And unfortunately, we lost Joe uh, not too long after that. I'm not sure if we did Joe Morgan's last interview or not. It was one of his last interviews. He's a legend, not only as a player, as a broadcaster, as a person. And I think you and I being able to interview him and knowing that's one of his, it's either his last or one of his last, I, that was really special, Ken. It really was, and those are great memories, and I'm glad you mentioned that because he was as special off the field as he was as a player, and he was a Hall of Famer, uh, one of the great second basemen of all time. And there's this long list, and we, you know, we talked about Dick Allen adding him today, Chris, of the players we lost this year. I mean, 2020 has been so terrible. And especially so if you look at baseball and so many uh, players, figures uh, who worked in the game, uh, we lost them this year. So we, we all can't wait for 2021. I think 2021 is going to be a great year for this country, at least eventually. Uh, I think it's got a, it has a chance to be a real transformative year uh, for the USA. Hey, well, you're the best. And you know how much uh, you mean to the A's family and what you mean to us here on A's Cast and A's Cast Live. Be safe, be well, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, buddy. I enjoyed it. From the rack to G-Kipe, Glenn Kuyper is the play-by-play -play man for NBC Sports California A's broadcast and, of course, partnered with our good friend Ray Fossey. It's been a while since we talked to Glenn. Here's Glenn Kuyper. Glenn, how are you? Hi, Tony. How you doing, buddy? How's everything going with the fam? Uh, we're doing good. We're doing good. We're... Just hanging in there like everybody else, right? Yeah, nothing like school at home every day. No, our kids are going. We're we're lucky. Oh, um, they are. Good for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I I feel very fortunate because I think kids not going is an absolute travesty. But that's beside the point. But so we're kind of lucky there. But um, yeah, you know what? Just kind of taking it day by day, just like everybody else. So this offseason has been slow, but what I'm trying to tell our audience is this is the pond that the A's fish in. So this is not something that's shocking the system to the A's. I think it's shocking other teams, but it's not going to shock the A's. This is where they live in the one year, find a player, keep, keep the line moving. Yeah, yeah, and it's such a, it is a strange offseason. But you're right. I mean, the A's are not, and never have been, you know, going to dive into that, that big free agent pool. And they've, they've had a lot of success not doing that. Right. Um, but yeah, this year you're going to probably have to wait it out a little bit longer. Um, and who knows if, if, you know, if the A's are going to, 
are going to sign anybody or bring any of these guys back. You know, we don't know. We don't know. Uh, I think we all have to be prepared for the, the possibility that none of the A's free agents will be back. Um, or maybe one or two of them. Uh, you know, so yeah, it, it, it is. You're right. I think it's, we always wait. And I think we're going to probably have to wait even a little bit longer for, you know, maybe the A's to, to start making their moves. Although, um, you know, not a lot of teams are making any moves right now, but I, I'm sure that'll pick up probably, you know, once the, the new year comes around. You know, something that I heard, and it gives me some positive vibes about Marcus Simeon, is the fact that other teams don't necessarily see him as a shortstop. And mm-hmm. I think that could actually help the A's retain Marcus Simeon because I think we all know how hard he's worked. He wants to be a shortstop. Maybe there is a deal to be had, just maybe, if really playing shortstop, his only shot at doing it is with the Oakland A's. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's a good point. And I read that, too, where some teams may be interested in him you know, playing another position. I got news for you. Marcus Simeon is not interested in playing a different position. I mean, he has worked so hard to become such a terrific shortstop defensively that he is in the, the prime of his career. He does not want to play another position, nor should he. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that could help the A's. He knows if he goes back to the A's, he knows he's, you know, going to bat lead off and he's going to play shortstop every single day. And that would give him a chance to, you know, finish his career with the A's maybe. So there, there are things that are, that are, they're going for going in the right direction as far as a reunion there, but it is also quite possibly Marcus Simeon's last big contract. So, you know, in defense of him, he, he, he's going to get as much as he can as he should. So I think it's very interesting. And I, I read something not long ago, that you know the, the the whole market Simeon thing could be could be starting to move a little bit as far as him picking a team. I don't know how true that is. I don't know if it's the A's, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. But boy, oh boy, I hope he comes back because he's so good and he's just one of our favorites, just as a guy. And it would be a bummer if he left. Yeah, the quality of the person, and I think you know after we watched how hard he worked to turn himself into the player that he is. And he did it in front of all of us. He didn't hide from it. He and Ron Washington powered through it. I hope he gets as much money as he possibly can, whether it's Oakland or somewhere else. Have you ever seen a player change that much in front of your eyes and go from what he was to what he is now? No, no, no. I I can't say that I have. Um, And I think we all had concerns three, four years ago, whether he was ever going to, be able to, to kind of, you know, take that, that step and become a, an above average shortstop. And what he has done is he shot way past that and become, you know, a, a, one of the best defensive shortstops in the game. So, no, I have not seen that, and it's a lot of credit to him. You know, he's worked very hard. He's a very determined guy. Um, and and, and the, the thing, too, when you're around these guys like Tommy, like you are and like I am, and you work for a team, you 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 – you do cheer for guys. There are some guys that, that you just, you just pull for maybe even more than others because they, they're nice people. And he's such a good guy. Um, you know, he'll talk to you. He'll say hi to you. He calls you by your first name. You know what I mean? <laughs> and not all players do that. If you're not uh, in, in the clubhouse, you know what I mean? So he's so easy to root for. And, and I'm with you. I, I hope he stays with the A's, but I also hope he, he gets a big contract, and I hope he's set for life and he can enjoy himself. Yeah, just to kind of pull the curtain back to let the audience know what kind of guy Marcus Simeon is, when, when I left the radio station and went to the wor- work for the A's full-time, it was in spring training. Marcus comes up to me to say congratulations on the new yeah, deal. That's, that's and it. I'm like – I mean, that's, that's all you need to know, right? Right. I mean, none of – all the other guys, they've got no clue. Hell, they barely know who I am. I mean, the fact, yeah. that, the fact sure. that Mark, I mean, it just, it just tells you. And, and the one thing I, I kind of hold on to for me last year at the winter meetings when I got to talk to his wife, his wife doesn't want to leave. So that's why I'm kind of hoping no. mom is no. going to help, help, help him stay. Well, she's, a, a, she's 
Bay Area native as well, and they have a lot of family here. So all that is is certainly in the A's favor, and uh, we we do have our fingers crossed. But um, yeah, he's he's a class act, and and you know you, you know when you when you get a little older like we are, Tony, you're so much older than the players, and you just it, it, it's harder to, to to interact with them as the years go on because you do you, there is a big age difference, right? But with Marcus, you can have a regular regular conversation with him about anything. And you know, there's some guys over the years where they see you walking toward them and they don't know what to say to you just because they're 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 just not comfortable with people that aren't players, right? And yeah. you know, with Marcus, he'll sit down with you and he'll have he doesn't be a doesn't have to be conversation about baseball. Those are the kind of guys that I enjoy um, because there's more to him than just, hey, I'm a baseball player. And, well, I, I, I pull for him big time. You know, when I start looking around the game, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting how there's a lot of big money teams who don't want to be big money teams right now. I mean, uh-huh. you start looking at the Red yeah. Sox and the Cubs and certain teams – you know, 2021, I think that's kind of a handful of teams. We actually went over it. Like, how many how many teams do you think are really going for it? There's not a lot. And the good thing is the A's are one of them. Yeah, it's – yeah, I think it's going to be an offseason that when it's all done, the players are not going to be happy because I just don't know that there's going to be a huge amount of money thrown around. Um. And that's just the reality of a, of a, of a bad situation here. Um, and now how much that affects the game going forward, you know, that remains to be seen, but yeah, when you see the Red Sox, you know, maybe not throwing it out there, you see the Yankees who spend as much as anybody because they have it. They're $25 million apart on negotiations with LeMahieu, who's one of the best players in all of baseball. Um, you know, are the Dodgers going to spend? So, yeah, it, it, it is strange. And I just don't know that anybody is going to get crazy. Um, maybe the Mets, you know, they, they've spent some money already. Um, but, you know, and, and, and what's, what's crazy now, Tony, you know? I mean, George Springer is a sensational player, right? In a normal year, I think he's a, he's a 25 to $30 million a year player as a free agent, you know, where, where he's got other people going after him and the price is going up. Well, is he going to get that this year? I don't think so. So very strange. And I just don't think there's going to be a huge amount of money thrown around this year, but if you're willing to throw it around this year, then you can probably get some pretty good players, but not everybody's willing to do that. Do you think with Springer, it's like, he's like looking around going, I got to get away from this mess because they got lucky not having fans this year. But at some point, yeah. fans are going to be at be back, and they're going to hear it. Is it is it kind of one of those just get me out of here? Separate. Hey, thanks for the World Series. Thanks for the good times. But it's time for me to get out of Dodge. Um, you know, I don't I don't know that that's the case, Tony. I I, I think the Astros. You know, they dodged a bullet this year not having to deal with that because there, there were no fans. And, and I think that that thing is now in the past. And you may hear a little bit of it, you know, when you come into a, a ballpark now, but no, I don't, I don't know that's the issue. I, I think again, it, it's Springer saying, this is my shot. This is my shot for a, for a big contract. Doesn't seem like the Astros are, are in the mix. I don't know. I know they very well could be. Um, but to me, when, when, when you get to that spot, I think most of the time the guy's going to say, who's giving me the best deal? You know, unless it's a place he just does not want to go to. But most of the time the guy's going to take the the best deal, you know, as long as, as, you know, the team is, you know, going to be competitive and that type of thing. And that's what's going to end up happening with Springer. And it just just doesn't smell like he's, he's going back to the Astros. Yeah, I mean, for us, you know, life is so different for the, you know, the average person. You, you, you normally live and work near where you grew up. You know, these guys, yeah. these guys, you know, no, no one lives in town anymore. You know, back in the day, guys lived year round where they play, but now because of taxes, guys want to be in Florida, they want to be in Nevada, Texas, or Arizona. Yeah. So where they sign, it's really, it's just, 
you're going there for six months and that's it. That's right. You know, and, and I, Hey, listen, I, I think if you and I were in that situation, we'd do the same thing. I think most people would, um, you know, I think it can at times maybe hurt, you know, California teams and, and even, you know, Bay area where it's very expensive to live even for six months. Right. I know I, I've talked to players who are like, man, oh man, I don't know. That's a lot of money for a, for a condo for six months, you know, and, and, you know, so, so there's, there's so many different issues to look at, but, but yeah, the, the, there's, there's a reason, Tony, why a lot of baseball players live in Arizona, right? <laughs> because, you know, the, the state taxes are pretty low. Sounds pretty good to me, to be honest with you. <laughs> that, again, as I said earlier, that's for a different day, right? <laughs> uh, Glenn Kuyper retiring. By the way, when you retire in Arizona, uh, make sure you're yeah. on a golf course so I can come play it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, yeah, I'll throw you in my trunk and let's go. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. You we know, should I, play golf. So I think that would be fun. Too. I think you and I would have a lot of fun on a golf course. You want, you come down to my place. I got a course I belong to. I can come up to Blackhawk. You let me know. Yeah. All right. All right. You know what? We're going to start planning that because. Yeah, uh, yeah, that that would be a good time. I think that would be super fun. Let's you, let's get it down on the calendar. Are you still playing with your brother and Eck? Absolutely, we're playing tomorrow. So what is that? I mean, your brother and Dennis Eckersley have known each other since what? They were like 18, 19 years old. They've known it. They their first year in the minor leagues, they played together, nineteen seventy two. Um, so Eck was. Eck was 18 and, and Dwayne was first year out of college. So Dwayne was 21, maybe 22. Um, yeah. So that's how long they've known each other and they've, you know, they've been through a lot together. So it's, 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 a, it's, it's a hoot. We have a good time and uh, yeah. And he's, you know, X like the best. I mean, you, you can't find a guy, a better guy than that. So yeah, we're playing tomorrow rain or shine cold weather doesn't matter let's go we're going to get them well I, you know the thing about that you try to explain about dennis Eckersley is he he like legitimately is like the coolest guy ever i mean he's a straight shooter he is totally honest he's got the confidence of like 10 men i mean dennis Eckersley is just like the coolest ever yeah yeah he's he's the epitome of cool and you know what and he and and there, there's there's a, a confidence about him. And there's also, there's also like, like a little vulnerability to him too, you know, which makes him great. You know, he's, he's confident, but yet, you know, he used to say when he'd go to the mound, he, 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 he was confident, but there was also part of him that was scared to death, you know, which, which is quite frankly, that's probably the best combination. You just have a little bit of that, you know, I can't screw this up here, uh, but he is cool he's cool and he's funny and, and he's just really a normal guy. I know it's hard for people to imagine when you see all these highlights of him and, but he is just a normal Joe man. And, and he, he's, he's the best. We have a good time with him. You know, it's, it's hard to believe like Cody and I were talking about the last real baseball game that we went to was the wild card <laughs> game. And yeah. we haven't, I, I haven't seen you since what spring training. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, well, we were, we did a, we did a spring training game in Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, and then we went to Arizona and we did one like two nights later. And I think we may have seen you there. Yeah. But that was yeah. March 1st or 2nd, you know? So yeah, it's, it's crazy. And, and, you know, I just don't, I don't know what's going to happen you know, are we going to start on time? Is spring training going to start on time? Is it going to be 162? Is it going to be 144? Is it going to be 130? You know, none of us know. You know, so that's the hard part for all of us, Tony. It just, and I, I talked to my brother Dwayne about this, and, you know, there's just a question mark next to everything in your life. You know what I mean? And, and that's where it gets frustrating. You just don't know. You just don't know. Um, so, you know, I got my fingers crossed. Um, 
but yeah, it has been a long time and I don't know, you know, I don't know if we'll be traveling this year. I think that's probably pretty up in the air again. Um, could be the same situation as last year where we did the games, the road games from the Coliseum. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty strong possibility again. That's hard to believe, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I know. That's, I know. that's where we are. Hey, you know what? Yep. The Packers are in first place. And really, really, that's all that matters. My second favorite green and gold team, right? <laughs> no pack go, as they say. Oh, uh, yeah. Roll out the barrel. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're the best. Yeah, I'll, I'll get in touch. Let's play some golf. But uh, have a great Christmas. Right. Happy holidays. Thanks, Be safe with the family. All right. Say hi to your wife and the twins. And uh, say hi to everybody at AceCast. Uh, uh, let's do this again in January. And hopefully we'll have some positive news. No doubt. Take care, buddy. All right. See you, bud. We'd like to thank Billy Owens, Ken Korak, and Glenn Kuyper for coming on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.